0: A greetings, everyone. It's wonderful to see you. You can see I'm in a, uh, a different place than ordinary, <clears throat> which I'll, I'll speak about in a little bit. I'm at my mom's and my sister's home in Texas. And it's wonderful to see some of you that I just saw last week at Cape Cod. So let's uh, sit for a few minutes as everyone continues to arrive and settle. I'm going to uh, screen-share a dedication chant that I'd like us to say together today. Uh, Maybe one that you're not familiar with. And once again, just follow along once we have it on the screen. May all awakened beings extend with true compassion their luminous mirror wisdom. May the merit and virtue of this group, along with our everyday practices, extend to all beings everywhere. May all be relieved of suffering, free from fear, longing, aversion, and ignorance. And may the way of awakening go on endlessly. I'm in a different setting, so it's, it's a little bit awkward, but actually, I've, I've been noticing a habit that I've developed. Maybe, maybe you've noticed it, too. Or, or maybe it's something that's um, maybe been emerging kind of quietly within me and beginning to to show up. And it's something that I'm noticing right now. This is one of the spaces in which which this emerges. Uh, I'm certainly aware of it online, but also in person. Those of you who were with me in the Cape Cod Institute last week uh, saw it. And it's this uh, pausing and looking, not um, rushing into any kind of, uh, I guess we call it like a, a socially accepted rhythm. And this space and this way, um, uh, maybe it feels a little bit uncomfortable for some people because it may seem rather odd. Uh, Here we are and we're starting and I'm sort of, um, in some ways, not doing anything. But I'm not exactly waiting I'm not um, when I sit and look at the screen and connect and take you in. I'm not. I'm not waiting for some future thing to to happen. And and you know me well enough, most of you that I'm. I'm not feeling an unwillingness to speak or some anxiety about stepping into the group but but as I've paid attention I've noticed a subtle uh, kind of longing kind of presence and uh, and there is a tender reluctance to speak because I'm more compelled to just connect so I find a this this new kind of willingness to take the time to settle and to rest into the opening Uh, but this this is becoming more and more present for me in my meetings with you and i don't want to turn away from it or deny it because I'm afraid if I did, I'd miss the gentle settling and resting into something very natural and very nourishing. And I wouldn't be a very good role model either, as I let myself. Sometimes in Nakomi, we'll say we kind of rest in um, loving presence with each other. And it, it seems to be so full. As I mentioned, when we came on, you can see that I'm not in Hawaii. It's not the usual background. I'm in what has been for years my parents' home. And uh, my mom and my dear sister, Kathy, are right here in the room with me. And as you might imagine, there are times when family patterns, what's automatic and habitual family patterns of home life and ways of communicating and being with each other are so easily followed, you know, they're like a automatic um, kind of program that just starts on its own. Maybe you've noticed this. Uh, But in doing so habitually and if it remains unconscious, we sometimes miss the intimacy we hope for the intimacy that we sometimes complain that isn't present not being so fully aware that we're actually repeating the patterns that keep missing the mark (laughs) they were kind of participating in it I, i i do these things and being here at at home with mom and Kathy, I've tried to pay more attention to those things. Because I want to express and receive the love that I long for. So I have to practice. And I have to practice those key things that I spoke about more than a decade ago in my TEDx talk where I said, Maybe the simple way to think of our practice is to pause to reflect and connect. To pause and and reflect and connect and, and then I then I can come home. And then I can leave what I thought was home, which was habit. and I know a number of you as I look around the screen so many familiar faces and some of you I've known quite a long time and quite intimately because we've practiced together in various places uh, trained together shared a pretty good bit of our lives together some of us and we've gotten older together At the institute last week, among I, I sort of brought Mary Oliver along as our companion. We're you know in the Cape Cod after all, so and spent some days in Provincetown. So uh, one of the the poems that we <clears throat> that we used was the all too familiar one, "Wild Geese," and maybe you remember. There's a line that says. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. You don't have to be good. You don't have to walk on your knees for 100 miles, repenting. It says you only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. And to me, these kind of words touch on what I'm noticing in myself. And I'm appreciating her reminder to rest in body time, the time of our animal body, natural and generous, very patient and curious. Our animal body yielding to and allowing what animal bodies require. And so often, um, of course, it's very present because I had to fly, uh, drive from the Cape to Boston to get an airplane to go to, to fly to Austin and go through traffic and over 100 degrees. You know, all these things happen. So if I move my body time, if I move in body time, actual body time, and not concept time or expectation time, or demanded time, then I naturally feel my way into the body's natural resonance of kindness and care. I can return. When we're practicing more formally or training, you know, we sit zazen. So we sit silently and we walk together in kin hin, responsive to each other, slowly, body time. And sometimes we chant and engage all these other kind of relational practices to attune to this soft rhythm of in some ways non-doing, even though we're engaging in the shared life of our sangha and the family. And I wondered over time, have you noticed that through steady practice maybe you're learning to better tolerate this receptive quiet stillness, which our, our world doesn't really encourage very much. We, we live in a culture that escalates excitement over intimacy. And busyness over rest or peace and so as we're able to tolerate and I, I think that's a pretty good word to tolerate this receptive quiet stillness we're we we're shaped differently when we do end up stepping forward into activity and engagement more expressively as we do things with ourselves, with each other. Have you noticed this also? Maybe common. Because you know, a lot of times in our practice, it seems like nothing's happening. <laughs> we're literally just sitting around, or that's what it seems like, to that part of us that is demanding that something happen. That we're not doing anything, getting something done, getting anywhere. And yet, if we don't engage, in the soft willingness, and take the time to feel our way into this natural rhythm, nothing really does happen that's truly life-giving. I would even go so far as to say life-saving. Have you noticed how easy it is? Is just keep moving forward, filling time. And this may be a strange way to say it. We're actually simulating the intimacy we long for. We're acting like it's happening, but we wonder why we remain hungry and and slightly shaky through our social habits. It's like a simulation of intimacy. Because habits are comfort. They're very comfortable. They're not bad. They're comfortable, but like comfort food, not always nourishing in the ways we need. <laughs> this week, I was looking at some things by the uh, Irish poet and theologian, uh, Padraig Otuma. Some of you may know of his work because he leads the aspect of the On Being Studio projects with Krista Tippett on poetry, poetry unbound. Uh, it's, I would recommend it to you. And he's written many things that are that are beautiful. And I was I was looking at some of his materials, um, and often on in poetry and bound he'll take a, a piece of poetry like like we do often in our teachings and go deep into it as a as a way of encouragement or even instruction you know on our path And he's a poet himself and so many of you have gone to my website and you'll see that there's a tagline on the, on the front page it says softening barriers to love and we've talked about this and we'll continue that's sort of like a key to to what my work is this is what is on his page in that saint just a line and it's in uh ordinary english that we can understand and then it's in celtic language which i'm not going to try to pronounce <laughs> the english version is it is in the shelter of each other that the people live it is in the shelter of each other that the people live And I'm going to return to that in just a bit, but I'm I'm still still, um, living with this, the sense of pausing and opening and the longing and what it means to come home uh, because I'm here and what it, and the sort of how coming home and leaving home work with each other. I mean, one question we could spend a lot of time is where is home? You have the first idea. It's like, oh, that's you know where I come from or whatever, but where's home? There's many levels we could ask that question. Uh, last week, in a middle school in Orleans and Cape Cod, in an ordinary classroom where kids come all the time, In middle school, you know, that terrible time. (laughs) I I was at home with my friends. In the zindo, when we sit with each other uh, online and inquiry, I feel at home. Here with my my family. In Hawaii with Aaron. There are many things I could call home. And some of them have to do with place. Some of them have to do with heart. But many of them have to do with the shelter of each other. In Buddhist practice, we talk about uh, refuge, returning home. But this coming home, finding our, our true self, if you want to call it that, and the leaving home, um, separating and becoming ourselves, these two things get intertwined. There's that brief but really powerful blessing that I use quite a bit in my teaching. It's another central piece that I've really adopted. Another voice from Ireland, John O'Donohue, <clears throat> uh, to come home to yourself. You've heard me repeat it many, many times. May all that is unforgiven in you be released. May your fears yield their deepest tranquilities. May all that is unlived in you blossom into a future. Graced with love. Dealing with the contractions of forgiveness, releasing them, using your fears is actually a Dharma gate to your deepest tranquilities, and then the invitation for what's unlived in you to come forward. Blossom into a future grace with love. To come home to yourself. But often to come home to yourself means leaving home. Stepping away from what's habitual, ordinary, um, that you might not even notice. I mean, we're sometimes not even awake to the things that aren't authentic or present or immediate. Uh, almost all of you have heard me repeat at some point or another, tearfully, <laughs> the poem that was written for me when I was a head student, or she so by my, uh, Benji, my assistant, um, at the time, and there's a line in it in which she's speaking about our sitting together over this long practice period, mornings and evenings. And these are her words, Anna, she says, Just sometimes, when the zindo was filled with stillness, held in our empty hands, you're just thinking about the mudra, just sometimes, When the zendo was filled with the stillness held in our empty hands, and I was sitting staring at the chipped paint, the pale shadows on the wall, sometimes for a moment, sometimes for a moment it was enough. That moment was everything. Then sitting next to you, I found myself far from the place I thought was home and I've had this poem for these so many years and read it so many times and that line just jumped out at me this week as I'm thinking about these things so now me sitting next to you I find myself far from the place I thought was home when we sit together we discover who we are outside of habit, aside from the ways we normally organize ourselves, what I thought was home. Habit is a place we thought was home. And the stillness and space, the spaciousness sitting together, we find ourselves far from that comfortable place of habit home. And on the edge of freshness and new possibility, uh, leaving home and arriving, as Eliot says, you know, back where we started for the first time. So, psychologically, you know, my psychological self, we know about individuation, we know about interdependence, that's even further along than just individuating. But in some ways, those are still personal perspectives. What I do. And all of this, and all the practice, I think, is opening to be at, be at home in the world. In our body, in our world. It's the true function of practice. Mm-hmm. Whether that's for a moment, or for a lifetime. For a week, like at the course at the Institute, or my recent retreat at the Hui. During an intensive or during inquiry each week, maybe I find myself at home in the world here with you, or or maybe like a walk with a friend. When it's not so blazingly hot as Laurie leads people, you know, on a walk with a friend, you, you find yourself being at home in the world with, in nature, like I've done so many times with Joshua and Trudy and others in the UK, where it's often not so hot. It's just raining, but at least. <laughs> but it's so beautiful. Or sometimes when we sit at a bedside with, while someone drops their body. As my mom and my sister did with my father just in the corner of this room. It's in the shelter of each other That the people live. We, you know, we chant, "I take refuge in sangha, bringing harmony to everyone, free from hindrance." It's in the shelter of each other that the people live. Within sangha, within family, within friendship. And it takes this kind of pause, I think. And I love this, this pause. We just look at each other and be with each other and allow our body time to be what's regulating what happens instead of an expectation or rushing. And as I often do, <clears throat> I want to share um, a piece of poetry from Padraig Tuama. since I've spoken about him, and I'm using this phrase as a, as a key link today as we're reflecting and inquiring so i'm going to share this is from his collection uh which is entitled sorry for your troubles (laughs) and the title of the poem i'm trying to make it a size where you can see it here the title of the poem is called uh, the facts of life I'm really like that, very straightforward. And here he lists what he calls the facts of life. I'll share it so you can read it with me. You can see it. The facts of life. The facts. That, that you were born and you will die. That you will sometimes love enough and sometimes not. That you will lie, if only to yourself that you will get tired, that you will learn most from the situations you did not choose, and that there will be some things that move you more than you can say, that you will live, that you must be loved, that you will avoid questions most urgently in need of your attention. <laughs> That you began as a fusion of a sperm and an egg of two people who once were strangers and may well still be. That life isn't fair. That life is sometimes good and sometimes better than good. That life is often not so good. That life is real. And if you can survive it well, survive it well. With love and art. And meaning given where meaning's scarce. That you will learn to live with regret, that you will learn to live with respect, that the structures that constrict you may not be permanently constraining, that you'll probably be okay, that you must accept change before you die, but you will die anyway, so you might as well live, and you might as well love. So you might as well love. So you might as well love. And I'll make sure you get this along with the recording so you can see it again if you'd like. So you might as well love. But but let's, let's speak with each other. If you have questions or comments or things you'd like to explore, please raise your hand and meet me in this beautiful place of pausing. Or just pause together. We can do that. But I'm here.
1: hello
2: hello
0: Hi there let me change my view here i there we go want to see you closer
3: yeah um so all the things you were speaking about were uh, very moving to me um I could see you yeah This um very much touched me um I don't know what to say about that I just felt like I wanted to um be with you
0: to step into the space I was talking about without longing just to
3: yeah I I love you so much, Let.
0: Thank you for saying so.
3: Yeah. I I need to say so. It's important.
0: We never know. I mean you have pretty darn good genes, you know, look at your mom, but
3: <laughs> but you never know.
0: And apparently I do too, looking at it. <laughs> But you never know. And plus, I don't think we're gonna err on the side of loving each other too much. Might as well love. It's in the shelter of each other that we live.
3: You know, I I notice a lot. Um I, I'm an observer, you know. I I watch people, I watch, yeah, I just look at things a lot, observe things. And birds. And birds. But I I notice a lot with people. I like to watch, um, you know, when I see families gathered. You know what what that's like. What it's like. I guess because I don't have kids is one thing. So I see families and I see young children, and I, you know, and then the connection between them. And for the most time, most part, it's it's good. You know, it's, it's not something unwholesome or something. Um, And it just, I don't know, I just find it so, so incredibly beautiful.
2: Um,
0: It's a marvel, really, isn't it?
3: It is. It is. Um, And I guess I, I, part of it in in watching this is that I I know that I don't allow that enough in my own life, you know?
0: So that's part of the habit part we're talking about.
3: Exactly. And uh, I guess that's why I'm stepping forward at the moment.
0: I was going to say, you're enacting it now, yeah. And you're about to lead a retreat. And so we want to offer you many blessings on your retreat as you offer yourself, because I know what it's like to step in and you sort of open yourself up and offer the best you have to whoever shows up and it's your best, but what else can we offer, you know?
3: That's right. So, thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Take my love with you.
3: Thank you.
1: We have Josh and Trudy.
0: Hello. hello, hello. You're back from your Hakomi intensive
4: I am, yes, so and um, back from being with someone who's dropping their body.
0: yes, that as well yeah
4: that as well, and lots of feelings and thoughts about that, but the the thing that made me put up my hand uh, apart from saying hello <laughs> was um. At the end of that poem, it says, You might as well love. And and love, as you know from being up here, is a is a kind of northern northern epithet. We'll say, Do you want that love? Do you want that love? So you call strangers, complete strangers, love. And um I heard the last two lines differently. It was, it was like you might as well love. You know? Ah, ah, like, I'm like a sort of more like, you might as well, you might as well, love come on. So I heard it as a real kind of um, encouragement and what the hell else are you going to do?
0: Yeah, a lot of other things. But given the facts of life, it's probably a good idea. It's so interesting you would say this. I just saw something today. And um, I was I was waiting for my mom while she was doing her physical therapy. I took her over and brought her back. And So uh, doing what so many people do in past the time, I was looking at Instagram feeds, and a thing came from Ian McEwan. And he said, he was speaking to some other man, it was an interview or something, like maybe on TV in in Britain. And he said, you know, I I get get off the plane and I I arrive at the station, at Waterloo Station, I get off and I find a cab and I get in it, and mostly it's men. Sometimes not, but mostly men, you know, driving the cab and ask me where I want to go. And they say, where can I take you, love? (laughs) And then he started weeping. He said, now I know I'm home where strangers, grown men, call each other love. (laughs) And I just read that a few hours ago. And the other man in the, and the TV thing started weeping, <laughs> so it was amazing. Mm-hmm. He would draw that attention to it as you are.
2: Yeah.
0: Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. there's a, it's not a throwaway. It's, it's a deepening, even if it is a, a manner of speaking. Mm-hmm. It, but it points to something that's worth remembering, isn't it? And express, yeah. like Laurie is saying, it's, we can't say it too many times. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. No. So yeah, that caught me and, and also um, sitting sitting with Margaret as, as Kath died and um, she named and appreciated that we were, we were the people who were coming who would just sit, uh-huh. who weren't busy, who were just okay to sit and be with.
0: You could tolerate the just being.
4: We could tolerate the just being, and, and that was a real, you know, it feels like a testament to everything we've had the opportunity to learn and practice, and
3: mm-hmm. um,
4: and I know they felt held by sangha, and I, and I just, um, it, it's been really powerful in me, the refuge of sangha. Yes. That's, you know, I've felt held by sangha in holding, holding all of that, and, and I... And Margaret, who's not even a member of our sangha, has felt held. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but she wasn't a practicing member.
4: Yeah, mm-hmm. not a practicing, but deeply loving someone who was a practicing member.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: I'm so respectful and so tender and considerate of how Kath wanted that to be. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's just been, it's really, it's like um, the realness of sangha.
2: hmm
4: is what feels like it's it's really landed another another whole gradient down or something
0: absolutely mm-hmm. and we really get it um because sometimes we think you know what goes it to do sitting around with people sometimes yeah it, it shapes the world yeah. mm-hmm. this one was close you know mm-hmm. so very obvious but really shapes the whole world yeah mm-hmm. little by little
4: so my, my gratitude for you and, and all the sangha you've created and then the ripples we can be part of.
0: It's astounding, <laughs> not what I've done, just what's happened as a result of so mm. many things. I saw it this, this past week too, because I was with various people from some of whom are on right now. And the hunger for this way of being together Mm. If it's expressed in a clear enough way, in a simple enough way, and mm. wholehearted enough way,
4: and I'd, I'd like to share that um, I
0: haven't been to inquiry for a few weeks um, for various commitments, and uh, and, and um, what you shared at the beginning today really didn't surprise me at all. I. Th- I've kind of been feeling it from thousands of miles away and it feels like it's been flowing through me anyway mm-hmm. out into your sanghas in the uk yeah. the the presence that you've uh communicated today mm-hmm. so, so so it's been it feels it's been there yes sometimes you realize it's enough
2: mm-hmm. well,
0: Mm-hmm. In the shelter of others, the, the people live.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, just
4: a, extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you, love.
0: Thank you. Love. <laughs> and I look forward to being there, which will only be a few months.
2: Yeah.
4: <laughs> Great. Thank you.
2: <laughs> we have Sheila. There
0: you go. Got it. Oh, you redid it. Try again to unmute. There you go. You got it.
2: And hello to to Cindy and your mother. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm glad to picture you there and feel you close that way. Yes. Here in San Marcos.
0: Yeah. I hate to say it since I'm not coming to Austin, but I need to be here.
2: One one of the homes, one of the homes, so many homes, Uh, my first thought was my home within. Mm -hmm. And um, the other thing that has come through so clearly today with all of your talking so spaciously and silently, stillly, (laughs) um, is that how much I've learned this from Buddhism and from Japanese people, there's a wonderful practice, I guess you could call it a habit, but it feels like a lot more than that, at least for me as a foreigner learning to say it. When somebody asks how you are, you say, we'll call you someday." now that I'm in your shadow. That idea of the shelter of each other. So that will be singing which yes. yes, is that same kind of. In my heart this week. Years. Yes. Thank you, absolutely. Thank you, everybody. I love to you, hear everybody. Absolutely. Your shelter, your shadow. I
0: had a little echo of you this week because uh, Chris Ulrich, who's here, and some other folks, Chris did uh, the Ikebana all week long for the class. So I know that's something you've enjoyed. So thank you, Sheila.
2: Thank you. We have Sue coming to sit next to you next.
0: Hi, Sue. Hi,
1: love. (laughs) I like that. You have it. That's great. Yes, it's wonderful. And I just had to come on because what you were talking about today described an experience that I just recently had with someone from my sangha. Mm -hmm. We were supposed to get together to do this little project. And she said, well, I just have a short, short time. And I said, well, we'll just do what we can do. And we did that. And then we spent... Two more hours, just sitting and talking and, um, you know, this love that you're talking about. It was just, I mean, it was just pouring out of us. And when we finished, and she really did have to go, um, that's what we said. Oh, you know, this was amazing.
0: That's the nourishment, isn't it?
1: it is the nourishment and and uh, you know you it, it 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 nudges you a different way when that happens because you feel that and you want it and you're so thankful when you find it for a while
0: and then you have more of it offer also
1: that's right yeah yeah so uh, you know just everything you said did they just fit right in that and i needed to say so
0: oh that's wonderful that's wonderful isn't it nice those times that are unscripted and unplanned where you think you're going to yeah. get doing something and you do your yeah. work yeah and then there's a space that opens that you um you can step into or not and uh give us you have a choice
3: mm-hmm.
0: to step into that different frontier
1: you do it and when you step in there, you find so many commonalities mm-hmm. that um, you didn't expect.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And it's it. wonderful to see sharing. you in, in your mom's home.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, and thanks for um, sharing. It's always nourishing to hear. We get a second, um, yeah, second uh, nourishment from it. So thank you.
1: Thank you.
5: we have bunny. so hello flint and everyone um that was me that, that uh sue was talking about
2: uh, you and the other
5: yeah yeah and it was i want to say amen uh and it It showed up for me in the midst of what was this meeting, a a kind of busy and challenging day. And I wasn't even sure about coming, Um, but I did. It was like, make the time to show up. And then it just emerged and blossomed. And it was really clear that, you know, I did have the time in needed the nourishment
2: yeah, it had the yeah.
5: yeah whether i knew it or not and um was so lovely and it it also i i just used the phrase that the the showing up the constancy of showing up mm-hmm. um, which is a big thing that i've been learning um and and embody doing my best to embody and it was certainly my the you ask us to bring quotes that spoke to us from zen mind beginner's mind in that
0: retreat, oh, right
5: yeah that quote on page seven <laughs> um, <laughs> about constancy perhaps being a, a better word than patience um because patience can imply there's some outcome to be had.
2: I
0: right, like the waiting I was talking about. It's the not waiting. Really waiting
5: at yeah, all.
0: yeah. It's not waiting for something. It's...
5: Uh-huh. And constancy is just the showing up. And it's I said just, but it's a huge just. And so um, what
0: sustains the sangha if we continue to show up to sit together? to study together, to sew together, whatever it is we're doing, to have tea together. Just the showing up is so much of it.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: They really show up.
5: Yeah. And uh, so you know enough about me to know that showing up on the screen is not something that feels like an easy gig for me. So I'm grateful to have um, done that with some help from Sue. <laughs> so.
0: I'm so glad, that's great. And we did have your red
5: thread earlier. I know, it comes and goes.
0: (laughs) There's a joke that not everybody knows, which is you may have seen when Bonnie first came on, there was a little red line that goes straight through her. And we talk Mm -hmm. about the the old koan, about why can't the bodhisattva sever the red thread? It's the fleshy body Mm
5: -hmm. lifetime.
0: That's the red thread.
5: Yeah, and the interesting thing is it, it i said it comes and goes but it it only comes when i'm doing things like practice discussion group or sangha online or or this so there you are thank you mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> thank you, <Thank> you Bonnie. <laughs> our warm discussions are also reminding me as i i kind of refer back to the very first things i said today in my own reflections about pausing and just being with you and, and looking and it being so uh, complete is that in the, the mary oliver poem the buddha's last instruction uh, She. Mary Oliver talks about some of her own experience of waking in the morning, but then she goes back and forth between the awakening of the Buddha and what it's like in the last days when he's dying. So it's a beautiful poem to look up if you'd like. But at the end, the very last line, basically he says, the Buddha, and he he looked up into the faces of that frightened crowd. At the end of this, poem in which she titles the Buddha's last instruction she gives that in the beginning of the poem make of yourself a light but at the end she doesn't say the Buddha looked up and told them what to do gave them his final teaching what he did at the end was look he looked he raised his head and looked into the faces And if you really look and you really let yourself be seen and you really reflect back, whether it's the new eyes of an infant beginning to take in the world, wondering without the concept, what is this? (laughs) That special moment or those last moments when you're sitting with someone and maybe the vision is faded and maybe you're just resting your eyes on their face. Well, let's continue anyway. And reminding ourselves of our essential practice, um, we'll say the four practice principles then. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, holding to self-centered thoughts exactly the dream each moment life as it is the only teacher being just this moment compassion's way thank you so much and i'll also say to those of you who are in cape cod thank you for the big dose of nourishment that you offered me which I'm able to offer back today. I'll turn you over to Maria.
4: Hi, thank you so much Flint. And thank you everybody for meeting together today. It's just wonderful to see you all to be able to share our practice together in this way. And, um, and if you'd like to offer Dana to Flint or Appomada, please do go to apomada.org forward slash contribute and you'll find a place to donate there and a little box to put where you'd like it to go to. And, and if you'd like to continue, if you, well, if you'd like to pause for a while longer for a further 30 minutes and meet with myself and others, then please do pop yourself into gallery view and I shall be with you in just a moment. Thank you all so, so much.
2: Thank you. See you all soon.